Hey sis, hello, and thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. So before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to let you know that it is Mental Health Awareness Month, and y'all know I love to share everything I can on the podcast. Um, This week's episode is actually going to be a throwback episode I did last year on anxiety. It has gotten a lot of downloads in the last year. And so I felt like it would be a really good episode to give you just some real basic understanding of anxiety. Anxiety seems to be one of the most prominent and one of the most um, very like consistent um, mental health issues that a lot of us struggle with. And also spiritually, a lot of us, and there's a lot of scriptures in the Bible that talk about anxiety and what anxiety is and how we can work to overcome it. So in this episode, I'm really going to talk through how you can recognize if you have anxiety and then give you some tips on it, how you can work through it. I want to say, though, that in this episode, I am going to be talking about specific symptoms of what anxiety is. Not really going to be giving you a lot of like um, like my philosophy around anxiety, but really more so the concrete things that um, are very common when it comes to anxiety that we see in therapy as well as in general. And so if you find that you're struggling with anxiety, I think you could definitely find some feedback in this episode. But if you are struggling with anxiety to a point to where you feel like you need some help, please absolutely go seek out a mental health counselor for yourself. Don't let this episode replace you seeking mental health counseling or help for yourself. I think that it is really important for us. And if you are able to you know, work through the different things as in when it comes to um, alleviating anxiety, feel free to do so. But definitely don't hesitate to go seek mental health counseling for yourself if you find that that is something you struggle with. So let's get into the episode and I'll talk to y'all next week. The Therapy is a Christian podcast is all things mental health and Christ. We specifically talk about how mental health and God are merged together to foster growth, healing, and making mental health a normal conversation. I'm your host, Roz and Renee, and welcome to the show. The Therapy is a Christian podcast is all things mental health and Christ. We specifically talk about how mental health and God are merged together to foster growth, healing, and making mental health a normal conversation. I'm your host, Roz and Renee, and welcome to the show. of the Therapy is a Christian podcast is brought to you by the Help Me Find a Therapist webinar. Are you someone that has been listening to this podcast and you definitely are ready to take the step in looking for a therapist? Are you someone that is interested in finding an African-American therapist, maybe of a Christian therapist and don't know where to start? I've got you covered, girl. Let's cut out the Google searches and let me help you find a therapist that's right for you. So in this webinar, I'll share with you how you can find a therapist that's just right for you. This webinar will cover how you can find a therapist in your area, 
Maybe you want to find a therapist that's virtual, low cost options, how to find a therapist, maybe with or without insurance. I'll also cover specifically all of the websites you can utilize to be able to find an African-American therapist and even a Christian therapist. So I promise you, I won't leave you hanging That is not the only thing we're going to cover in this webinar. As a bonus, I also will include my consultation question ebook. So when you call a therapist, you know exactly what questions you need to ask, specifically even asking them questions about their faith and if you can include that in your sessions. This ebook has all of the questions that you want to ask, as well as it'll give you the opportunity to really advocate for yourself for your mental health journey. If you're interested in starting therapy, definitely go to helpmefindatherapist.com. Again, that's helpmefindatherapist.com or go to the link in the show notes. I cannot wait for you to start your mental health journey. Now let's get back to the show. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Therapy is a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Raza Renee, and welcome to another episode of the show. Hi, sis. How are you, girl? I hope your week has been going well. Whenever you are listening to this, happy month. (laughs) So for those of you that are new, welcome to the Therapy as a Christian podcast. For those of you that are my OG listeners, hey, girl. Hey, sis. So I really wanted to kickstart a little bit this month as we've been talking about Mental Health Awareness Month. Going through a couple of different mental health, you know, basics. I think I haven't done this in a long time. I've always come to y'all and given you my experience with the things that I have gone through. But I really do want to give some like educational awareness around things related to mental health. So that's what this episode is going to be about as we're going to be talking about anxiety. And I know that we all deal with anxiety in different layers. So before we get into that, I wanted to just first say, if you love the podcast, if you really enjoy it, if you continue to support the podcast, absolutely, sis, go on down and scroll down to my page on Apple iTunes and leave a review. It is so, so, so awesome to me to read your reviews every single week. It is such a great way for me to know that you love the podcast. Go ahead and rate it five stars as well as subscribe to the podcast and follow Therapy as a Christian on Instagram. I'm starting to give that page a little bit of love on a consistent basis. And so I would love for you to follow at Therapy as a Christian on Instagram as well as follow me on Instagram at Roz and Renee. So let's get into the episode. So as I've stated before, I have kind of talked to y'all personally about my experience with anxiety upon me going to therapy in 2018. And so that was really my first real awareness of the things that I have dealt with when it related to anxiety. But I really want to approach this more in a educational way for you to, you know, people say, oh, I'm anxious or my anxiety quote or different things related to anxiety. But I want to break down what this actually can look like and some signs and symptoms of what anxiety and how it can be presented. And so to give an overview of just what anxiety is, it's a very normal response to stress. Like when we are having, you know, conflicts in relationships or dealing with our jobs or dealing with financial problems or dealing with all of those things, we can become triggered by them and they can interfere with our lives and just our functioning, our ability to function and make decisions and feel relaxed and feel like we are not, you know, mind racing and so on and so forth. Especially with the people that I work with when I do 
my program for show up sis, I've recognized that there is a high level of anxiety when it comes to the things that we do. And it can be really challenging, even for myself included, to just kind of learn how to turn it off. But we can't really address something when we don't know what it is. And so my hope is that I can, as always, present to you, you know, the different tools as it relates to therapy, as it relates to your community, as it relates to healing, as it relates to dealing with trauma. And I'm just going to come at you with a lens of compassion really quickly and say, sis, it's okay. Like, you're not less of a person. You're not, you know, less of a Christian. You're not less of a mom. You're not less of a wife or a single person or, you know, anybody because you might have some different triggers that come up related to worry. That's a natural response to some things. But I know that as Christians, it's important for us to recognize our belief, but we cannot really address something we have no awareness of. Like we may know we're worried, we may know we're anxious, but I really want you to recognize how this looks in your body, how this looks in your mind and all of those things. So that's what we're going to cover today. So here are common symptoms as it relates to anxiety. And this is a way for you to understand how anxiety can be presented, how it can show up, how you're looking at it, and really just have an awareness that this is occurring. So the first way anxiety comes up is excessive worry. And it's one of the most common things as it relates to anxiety. And it's really kind of this anxiety that occurs on a normal everyday occurrence. And really, it's like the worry on, you know, you can worry most days. And there is actually a disorder called generalized anxiety disorder. And it says that you worry most often, most days, for at least six months, and you have a difficulty controlling it. And the worry can be very severe and intrusive and it can make it difficult to concentrate and accomplish tasks. And so really when I'm addressing this excessive worry, it can be really important to understand and pinpoint what is it that you're worried about? What are the things that are coming up for you that you're worried about? And additionally, taking it a step further, are you experiencing lack of confidence? Are you experiencing shame? Are you experiencing too much on your plate? Do you feel like you have a lack of boundaries? Do you feel like you're not getting help? Do you feel like you're just always constantly feeling obligated to handle everything? And so you don't put things down or you don't ask for help or you don't get things done. And so then you feel overwhelmed constantly and this constant state of worry is happening. This can also be related to financial problems. This can be why you're maybe going through a difficult season and having a rough time. This can be after you may have experienced some level of trauma. All of this can come up in anxiety. And so anxiety within a very general sense has the component of worry. The second way that anxiety comes up as a symptom. And when I talk about symptoms, I'm talking about like, It's if you were going to the doctor and you were telling him, okay, I have a cold. Well, how, what are your symptoms? Well, I have a runny nose, sniffling a lot. I'm constantly feeling the need to sneeze. You know, those are symptoms of something. So with anxiety, there are symptoms of anxiety. So these are ways that when you see this happen and they come up, you're like, oh, this might be something that is occurring and that might be 
causing anxiety for me, that's a way you can recognize it to be able to say, okay, what am I worried about? So I'll probably explain that a little bit more as we go through the tips. So the second way anxiety comes up is you feel agitated. And that's when you, you know, someone can feel anxious there, you know, your nervous system goes into overdrive. So you start to feel things in your body. And that could be you may be very short, you may be very snappy, but also too, your heart rate may go up. You may also feel as if you have sweaty palms, shaky hands, dry mouth. And these really occur because your brain is perceiving danger. And also in a way, your body is giving off, you know, more adrenaline. It's pushing out things because you're just feeling in overdrive. And so that's where you may feel your tense muscles. You may feel like your back and your neck is hurting consistently. You may feel really tense. And that's just where that agitation can come from. And so it's really, really a response to the stress. Your body is responding to the stress because there's an arousal that occurs. It's almost as if when you're driving and somebody swerves really quickly on you and you just get that that like, oh my gosh, feeling in your body's like your heart rate rises and you start to feel really tense. Imagine feeling that all day long. Just that constant danger feeling. That's a little bit of what happens when we are anxious as well. Number three, you may have some restlessness. So restlessness is another common anxiety symptom. And that's where you just really feel on edge. You feel uncomfortable in this urge to move. You also kind of feel like something's, you're always like in this expectation that something's going to happen. Just feeling very on edge, like rushed, feeling as if you can't just settle down. It takes you a long time to settle down. This also may occur in sleeping where you find it hard to really relax to go to sleep. You may struggle with some insomnia because your mind is always racing. And this also can occur too with restlessness in the sense of being able to get things done. So you may feel as if it's hard for you to complete a task because you're constantly feeling like you need to move or just this constant feeling of distraction. And so restlessness is also a very, very, very common symptom as it relates to anxiety. Another symptom as it relates to anxiety is fatigue. So that's when you may feel extremely tired and you just don't feel like you're ever really getting any stress. Fatigue can also follow by anxiety attacks and fatigue can be, you know, where you feel extremely tired and that's where that muscle tension can come from, that overwhelmed with tiredness, but you really can't feel like you're going to sleep. I know that I experienced some of that when I first had my son. It was just, I was so on edge and restless because I already wasn't getting any sleep, but then just kind of the constant state of feeling as though I have to be aware of him and aware of what's going on with him. And so that can have a real effect on your body, especially if you're not really getting any sleep as well. The fifth way anxiety can come up is a difficulty concentrating. And so this is so, so big in this distraction world that we have, but also with difficulty concentrating can interrupt your memory and so you may have like, you find that you're very forgetful. You may find that you don't really do well in your performance and concentrating on a task for a long period of time. And also too, you know, it becomes a thing where it can get difficult to really kind of get a hold of over time because you kind of feel as though you're working in procrastination mode. 
And so you don't really know how to get things done throughout and pacing. You just work at the last minute. So it's really hard for you to concentrate on a task completely until you have to get it done. So this can come up a little bit too as well with procrastination. The sixth way that anxiety comes up is irritability. And I kind of talked about with that agitation part, but the irritability thing is especially, especially true when you are someone that might have been triggered. So for example, you might be going back to work and and this is a very small example. And you might come home very irritated, just anxious about things in general and your kid does something and it just sets you off. We don't sometimes know how triggered we are by certain things because we just find everything to be irritating. We just find, oh my gosh, I'm so irritated. And There's actually a study that said where they surveyed about 6,000 adults and 90% of those people that were having that consistent general anxiety reported feeling highly irritable during periods when their anxiety was just at its worst. And so with that being said, you know, I think it's important for us to know that when we're having these irritable moments or we find that we're feeling irritable, it's really, really important that we recognize that that irritability can be associated with some level of something that's deep in us worrying. Um, another way that anxiety can come up is tenseness. So tense muscles where tenseness is very common. That is the way that I know that I'm probably worried or anxious about something because I feel this just tenseness in my body. It probably never comes up really mentally in the sense that I know, hey, this is what I'm worried about, but I know where I'm like consistently thinking or worrying about something because my body is tense. So that's where, you know, for example, and this is just a quick tip, I'll do things like go take a hot bath, turn on the heating pad and just sit on it, probably sit and do some deep breathing. I probably will go talk to my husband, call a friend. I'll do some journaling. I'll do prayer. Prayer is huge when it comes to me when I'm anxious. Um, And just finding ways to relax your body, maybe schedule a massage, you know, just different things to do to help with that tension. The eighth way is you have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep. So I talked about that and really being, you know, in the middle of the night, just having a hard time falling asleep, not really being able to lay down and relax and sleep. And so that can come up as well. The ninth way is, and this can be more on the extreme level, is panic attacks. And so panic attacks look like just an extreme feeling where your heart rate goes up, you begin, you get sweaty, you start shaking, you have shortness of breath, your chest gets really tight. So in my job, I've been with different, you know, worked with kids over the course of about nine years. And I've experienced watching, you know, a child go through a panic attack. And they always say, it feels like my chest gets really tight, or it feels like almost just like they have a hard time breathing and they feel nauseated and they feel like they're losing control is what they say. And so it's really important to know that if you're struggling with panic attacks, getting a hold on it to really get some good coping skills and some things that you can do to help reduce that and find a way to reduce that. And panic attacks happen really a lot when you're alone and they can occur frequently and unexpectedly. And they may even, there are different disorders that people can be diagnosed with related to anxiety with this, but as well as just in your awareness to know, like if this is coming up for you, there's something going on that might be triggering the worry. Um, And really, really kind of getting a hold of that is super important. 
All right, number 10, the 10th way that anxiety can come up is avoiding social situations. And so this can be exhibited in a way where you are very fearful about upcoming social situations. I know, you know, black culture, we like to play. I talk about introverts like, girl, I am canceling. I'm staying at home. But there are people that really, really just have, you know, really a hard time engaging in social situations. You may be worried that you may be judged or scrutinized by other people. You feel fearful of being embarrassed or humiliated in front of people. You avoid certain social events because they just bring up different fears. You may avoid certain social events because of people being there. And you just kind of find that you just don't really engage a lot in social activities because of this high level of anxiety that you may be extremely shy. You may be quiet in groups and when meeting new people. And so it's really important that you understand this to be a thing because there could be a reason why you avoid certain situations and have that extreme fear and anxiety. This episode of the Therapy is a Christian podcast is brought to you by Christ Couch. Hey girl, so if you're not familiar with Christ Couch, let me tell you all about it. So every single Monday, I send an email to my email list that is filled with so much information, so much value every single Monday. And I love to call it Christ Couch. Christ Couch is a place where we discuss countless topics, gather together as girlfriends, and share our daily walk through life all while uplifting one another. Over time, I have been able to learn that Christ allows us to experience his goodness and true vulnerability through relationships. So let's take a seat and share it all on the couch. In this Monday email that you will receive every single Monday from me at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, you'll get a full-on devotional and prayer, a little Motivation Monday, I like to call it, where you get to start the week off with a little motivation and a weekly mental health tip that you can weekly and very easily add to your life. So if you're interested in Christ Couch, definitely go to the link in my show notes, completely free to you. You'll get an email every single Monday from me, and I cannot wait to share with you all the amazing things on the couch. Now let's get back to the show. The 11th way that this can come up is you can have some irrational fears. And so I think, you know, and I I really give this and say this again with compassion. I really want to say that we all went through a traumatic time with COVID last year. And even to this day, girl, there are people who are living their best life. Okay. But then there are people who are really having, you know, still fears about COVID who is may not have caught COVID, may not have had immediate family members who have caught COVID. And so you have this just current fear about the state of the way things are. And I'm not going to say that those things are irrational, but they can create like real general fears of being around people, being back in situations, being going back to your job. Like those are extreme fears and anxiety that are real. And just really looking at how are they? But also another thing with this is we can have some irrational fears on the other spectrum of this where we have some really like huge fears of different things. And that could be, you know, just as simple as driving over a body of water on a bridge to fearing bugs. I cannot to this day kill bugs. I had to call my husband into the room. I remember there was a time when I was a teenager And we had a house that had like a wasp's nest in the attic. And girl, 
there would constantly be wasps in this room upstairs. And I remember at one point, like I literally closed the door for two weeks and never went in that room just because I was just so tired of seeing the wasps because I was always having this fear that they were just going to sting me. And as big as I am as a human, being so scared of this little bug, but you know, I digress this because I'm not doing it. Okay. It's just not going to happen. But you could be scared of an airplane. You can be scared of an elevator. You could be scared of needles. You could be scared of blood. It's just so many things that you might have these irrational fears on. It might really bring up some things for you. Those were the 11 ways that you can really, really experience anxiety and the overwhelm of anxiety. And so here are some ways that you can really, really work to reduce your anxiety. One of the things that I have learned recently, and if you are someone that loves health, definitely go back to my episode with Gabby that I'll link in the show notes talking about health and how it impacts your body. But gut health, gut health, your intestines, your digestive system, your gut health is so vital to your mental health because what we digest in our body has a direct response to our emotional health. And it's like food can be fueling, food can be very also detrimental to your emotional health. And so I've been really doing a lot of research in this area because I think it's very important for us to recognize how much diet and take diet impacts our overall well-being. Not only in a way of just understanding how important diet is in a general sense, but really, really just understanding diet in a way that if you're not getting enough good food in your body, your body's not being nourished. So then of course, in saying that to say, your mind isn't getting the proper nutrients. It's not getting the things that it needs. And so really, really having a healthy diet is super important. Limiting caffeine. Caffeine intake can worsen feelings of anxiety in some people and also maybe increase it because caffeine like wakes you up and makes you alert and may increase some of those things. Alcohol. Alcohol and, you know, anxiety is strongly linked together because, you know, alcohol is a depressant. So it's a form of way to relax you but also it can become abused. And so because alcohol is a depressant, the whole role of a depressant in a sense of just giving a definition is it's meant to slow down. That's why when people are drunk, they're slower and they move slower. It's meant to relax you. And so with that being said, and it being a depressant, a lot of times people can use alcohol as a means to relax more, to go to sleep, to do things to relax because you're not as hypervigilant. You're not as in that on edge mode. And so that's really important to know as a means of, you know, these ways that people try to reduce anxiety, but using them as an abusive way. And so, you know, abstaining from alcohol is really, really important. And really also, too, if you're using it in a way that's abusive, just cutting back some. And I'm not even someone that's unrealistic. If you're someone that drinks every day, you know, maybe cut down to five days and then cut down to three days a week and then maybe cut down to one. And finding that as a progressive digression instead of this cold turkey thing that's very unrealistic and also very hard to maintain if you don't have the proper channels or proper ways to replace the thing that you're using. So if you're using alcohol as a re- and you're someone that uses it often, what are you replacing for the thing that you're trying to cut down on? 
Like, I think we just can't be unrealistic as I'm talking about this with healthy diet, for example. Like, you got to replace it and be very realistic. Don't just go on a diet for the things of, oh, I, this is just going to help. But like, gradually add the things into your diet or gradually add the things into your lifestyle that are going to help with that. Another thing, too, that people may use to reduce anxiety is quitting smoking. You know, smoking is associated with a high increased risk with anxiety. And again, again, you know, if you're someone that smokes, if you're someone that smokes cigarettes, if you smoke hookah, if you smoke weed, like you're utilizing these coping skills to, you know, maybe deal with some stuff that might be really underlying. And my biggest thing when I talk about these things is to really just bring to y'all's awareness that, you know, we're doing damage to our bodies, but also we have to understand that it's easier to stay in a place and not deal with something over time versus facing it and dealing with it. And but also, too, there may be other factors that play into maybe why you're experiencing this. There might have been a health challenge. There might have been some other things that might have been going on or current season, you know, that are causing these things. And so I always say, you know, utilize the people around you, face the things that you are going through. And as hard as it may seem, it's easier to stay in the place that you're in and not deal with it. Another way to reduce anxiety is exercising. Of course, people say this all the time, but I will say I have been doing something with a, one of my best friends over the last week because we started in May of just exercising daily and it has helped curve a lot of things because I find that one it's mentally challenged me to push myself to prioritize my body but also after I've done a long walk I've released a lot and so you know it's helpful to really be able to move your body and kind of get you in the mode needing to just move more Another way is, you know, some people who might struggle with anxiety in a more high level way really may need some medication. And I always say medication coupled with therapy. I do not recommend not really utilizing any type of coping skills or learning how to, and I say coping skills because that's just the terminology we use, but utilizing if you are going to get medication for helping with anxiety. The two things I always say is couple that with therapy. And then secondly, also know that you always can reduce the medicine. I think we can get very, you know, taboo as Christians with, you know, recognizing that you may need to use like get medications to help. You know, we have a brain that's an organ and just as much as we are dealing with our bodies and maybe taking medications. I'm not against prayer and I'm not against using your faith to call those things out. I'm definitely not against that. And I do believe we have the authority to, you know, call those things out and be very, very, very diligent in our spiritual walk that heals our bodies. But at the same time, there are people who might need more help and there's nothing wrong with needing more help if you're really, really having a hard time to where it's debilitating you, to where it's impacting your functioning or it's impacting you being able to feel any type of hope, any type of just balance. And I think, you know, for those of us who might need that extra help, don't shy away from it, but you do the work. Do the work. Don't just take medication and not do the work. And I think it's very important to recognize that you sometimes just have to do the work on top of that. 
But in the second sense, you can reduce your medication. It's not a means of saying you're weak. Like our brains are organs. Our brains are, you know, these plate that is just an organ, just like our heart is an organ, just like our thyroid. It's an organ, just like our kidneys. And sometimes people have to take medication for those things. If you're a diabetic, you know, you need insulin. If you're someone who has diabetes chronically, you need insulin to survive. And so it's the same regard. And I think, again, you know, being practical in these things is super important. And I know that I'm really, you know, pushing on and even against some things that people might push spiritual thoughts and when I say spiritual thoughts as a means of we can over-spiritualize practical things is basically what I want to say. And just being practical is still very important, especially in the mental health space. You're not neglecting. It's like neglecting being negligent with your body. If your doctor is saying, take an antibiotic, you know, do the things that are best for you and the wisdom of God. And I think that's very important to know and very important to utilize if you need to and not feel shamed about it. Don't feel shamed about, again, prioritizing your mental health. And if that means you have to do certain things as you're getting to the root of your trauma, as you're trying to deal with building boundaries, as you're trying to deal with managing your kids, if this is for a period of time that you have to utilize these things, don't be negligent and not, you know, do the work, but also just know that you can reduce your medication. You can reduce your therapy appointments and know that God has your back and he loves you and he cares about you. And so with that being said, you know, my own personal tips, and these are things that I'm going to link the article I read from Healthline that kind of outlined some of these things. But when is it important to seek professional help? If you're feeling anxious most days and experience, you know, one or two of the symptoms that I talked about, you know, regardless of your experiencing these things, if you ever felt them interfere in your life, you know, seek help. There are licensed professionals that are trying to treat anxiety and trained to treat things that are, you know, may help you if you're feeling debilitated. But also know this is, I think that we just have to be aware and know that God does not want us to suffer. And I know that I am pulling at the religious thoughts that we think at times where it's this thought process that you just got to be on all the time. Like you do not. Like you just don't, you don't have to. And I think it's a things of a means of rest to know that we are fighting a spiritual battle. We are fighting a spiritual walk. We are fighting in the spirit, but sometimes you're just so weak that you just have to like do some things to help you. And I do not want to ever not offer compassion to you all. In the sense of seeking help, because help is necessary. You cannot do this life alone. You cannot rely on your own vices to do the things that you're doing in this walk with God. It's just not possible. You really need help at times. And in times of difficult seasons, you know, when your spirit is really, really dry and you're having a hard time getting up and pulling yourself up. Use the things that can be helpful to you to get you to the place that you know you need to be, but also don't neglect and be negligent with yourself in this process. And so because our battle is spiritual, I do recommend, you know, some of the things that I address in this podcast, but really, really honestly rely on getting some help. 
If you are looking for a therapist, start there. If your therapist is with you and she says, okay, maybe we can recommend starting some medication. That is okay. Like, I really want to just state that I'm not a person that's against that as a mental health professional, but I am someone that you need to couple it with the work. Secondly, I also wanted to say, because our battle is spiritual, you have to get in a community of spiritually like-minded believers. There is just, again, secondly, no possible way you can do this alone. And that is in your spiritual walk. The amount of people, sis. And I say this so genuinely because I mean it with my whole heart. When you are walking with God, you need people. The amount of people that are in my life for so many different areas and reasons, I cannot begin to explain what it has done for me to receive the love from people. The blessing of friendship is so, so important in my life because it's my lifeline. It is one of the very most important lifelines. And here's the other thing that I want to say. God shows his hand through relationship. And a lot of us are not utilizing relationship because we've been in such horrible situations where people have talked about us or people have shunned us or people have done things. And I'm going to say this. I've been through horrible friendships. I mean, friendships that were just coupled in just jealousy and comparison and me being put on a pedestal and just all these things that I had struggled in friendships so much and didn't have a voice in my friendships. It didn't feel like I was getting anything back. But then when I sought God about them, God had to move some things out of my life. And there was a real grieving process. I remember in 2019 where I really grieved two very, two very close friendships that are, that were, and still to this day, sometimes hard. I have moments where I still grieve those friendships. But at the same time, what I have gotten back, I could never replace. The love and the companionship that I have with a lot of my friends and my husband even is so vital to me in this walk. And so I don't ever want people to feel like relationship isn't necessary because it is. And then lastly, our relationship with the father, you know, deal with that. Deal with your perspective and the way that you look at God, because that may be also causing some high level of anxiousness that may be coupled with religion. That may be coupled with the way you had grew up, maybe coupled with the way that you view God. And so we have to really know that it's not a means of shame, sis. Like you're not shamed because of these things and don't let the enemy make you feel shamed because of that. And so I hope this podcast was helpful to you. I hope it freed you. I hope it helps you to know God doesn't want you to suffer. There's so many scriptures and I'm going to go to a set of scriptures and I will definitely tag them in the show notes for you so that you can go to them when you need to. But there are so many scriptures in the Bible on anxiety. And I mean, I just want to name maybe five, but Proverbs 12 and 25, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Imagine being weighed down by your anxiety and then somebody comes and speaks some love to you. Just how much that helps you. Romans 8, 38 through 39. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. 1 Corinthians 7 and 32. I want you to be free from anxieties. 
Isaiah 35 and 4 say to those who have been anxious, have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Lastly, Psalm 94, 119, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. And so because of these things, we have to know that God wants us to experience joy, happiness. He wants us to know that he loves us. Like I feel God's heart right now as I'm talking. And I just feel like he's saying, I want you, I want you to come to me. I want you to know I have you. I want you to know that I love you. In 1 Peter 5 and 7, it says, casting your anxieties on him because he cares for you. We try to hold the weight of the world on us, sis, and it's not necessary for us to do so. And so walk this walk and trust the Father, but also really, really utilize the tools that you've been given. So that's all for this week's episode. Again, I will put everything for you in the show notes, including Gabby's episode as it relates to health. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me. Let me know that you enjoyed this episode and I love you so much. And I will talk to you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.